10 years ago, I started as chair of Hello, I'm Joshua Vickery. And I'm Mary Thompson Hunt. Welcome to From the Heart. Central Florida is widely known for its tourist spots and attractions, but many people don't know about its thriving arts community. On this show, we are excited to introduce to you passionate and talented artists who shape our arts community. How do they create and why? And how can Central Florida benefit from an even greater arts presence? On each episode, we'll introduce you to guests who are influential leaders and artists who are truly making a difference. From the Heart, with a capital A-R-T. Hello, Mary. Hi, welcome back. Oh, it's so good to be back. It truly, truly is. Joshua, you stay so busy. I do stay busy. You know what? But it was actually really great because I was out for three weeks with, and I won't go into too many details. The listeners on a Sunday night do not want to hear about this, but I was out for kidney stones. It was I never told them. You didn't tell them? No, I always say you're out saving the world through art. I just (laughs) figured it's your news. Thank you. If you wanted to mention it, you could. That sounds so much more heroic than what it actually was. But yeah, but it was actually kind of good because I I realized that CFC Arts could could still survive without Josh for three weeks. It was really wonderful and humbling and and all of those things. (laughs) Question, do they show you the kidney stones? Well... (sighs) Do you really want to know about this? No, I just want to know <laughs> yes or no. I don't have well, to go if, if you can pass them, they can show them to you. But unfortunately, they had to go in and I know. blow mine up and get them different ways. Okay, and so nothing yeah, to see. Yeah, nothing to see here. Keep on, keep on moving on. There's mm-hmm. absolutely nothing Glad you want to see. <laughs> but you had some, we had some great people fill in over the last few yes. weeks. A big thank you to Bob Cazes, mm-hmm. who's one of our friends and heroes here in our community, and Rob Lott. Yes. Who also stepped in. And mm-hmm. you had somebody else too, Fran right? Gauchy. Fran Gauchy when stepped Adrian in. When Adrian Lepeltier was our guest, Ooh. talking about all of his work at Universal. I need to listen to that episode because I bet you and Fran just hammed it up. Well, not, not see, they're, no. they're good friends. No, we are there for our guests. Oh. Yes, I mean, we had fun, but yeah. <laughs> we're there to make... Uh, Adrian looked good. <laughs> oh, cool. I need to listen to that episode, though. But yeah, I've missed it. I'm really, really glad to be back. We were just talking about we're almost at our 100th I know. episode of I know. this radio show. We've met so many wonderful guests and had so many great conversations. Mm-hmm. And then the TV show, almost a year and a half before that. Mm-hmm. So we're very we're very grateful and thankful. I know, for something that just started so small. Yeah, it's so good to see you, Mary. I know, thank you. Well, listen, I we want to dive right into our, mm-hmm. uh, to our guests, but I do want to mention... Um, that we are excited about having conversations in our arts community about the importance of diversity and collaboration and really focusing on the multicultural um, uh, community that we that we have here uh, in Central Florida. And we host, uh, as an arts community, these networking events. And we hosted one last week. It was our seventh one. Uh, and Mayor Dyer came. You know, Mayor Dyer and Mayor Jacobs both have been great supporters mm-hmm. of our arts communities. And now... Uh, Mayor Demings will also be a great art supporter as he comes in, uh, but we wanted to um, have Mayor Dyer come and talk about just the importance of diversity um, and how all of these different organizations that are part of the DNA and fabric of what we offer um, is so very important. And we had over 120 art leaders and, and, and organizations come and be represented at the Manalo Museum. I couldn't go. I really wanted to. I know, yeah. it, but it really was beautiful. So if you are interested in learning more information about that, Definitely reach out to us because it is really important. Um, we, you know, as we are such a diverse community, and then especially after all of our so many of our friends in Puerto Rico came mm-hmm. here to Orlando and immersing them here into our community, we want to make sure that all of our different 
um, populations have an opportunity to be involved in and the to arts. be represented and to be represented. And I'll tell you and what, Mayor Dyer's State of the Union address to Orlando was. He did a great job, but he really gave a nice shout out to the arts he and did. artists in our community. I love that when he thinks about the 60 wonderful things in mm-hmm. Orlando, that many of them had something to do with the mm-hmm. arts. So that's really cool. That we live in a great cities. Uh, well, I, I should say cities as we have no idea where you're listening from all over, all over Central Florida. So, well, Mary, we have really three fantastic guests today. And we have never had the chance in all of our shows to talk to UCF. And I'm glad that we're finally getting uh, finally getting to do that. And I have two dear friends and a new friend uh, here on the show today. So we are talking to Jeff Moore, who is the Dean of Arts and Humanities for the University of Central Florida, Michael Weinstein, who is the Director of School of Performing Arts, and Rudy McDaniel, who is the Director of the School of Visual Arts and Design. Welcome, guys. Welcome. Thank you, Thank you. We are Thank so you. happy to have you here, and I have the pleasure of having Jeff on my board of directors at CFC Arts, and he's a wonderful leader. So, Jeff, tell us, uh, just to get started, a little bit about UCF's um, School of Arts and Humanities what does that mean? What are the different schools that make that up? And then tell us why is, um, how is UCF doing some, just some cool stuff in the arts? Well, thanks for having us. It's great to, great to be here and talk to you about this. Uh, the College of Arts and Humanities are, of course, the arts units. That would be the School of Performing Arts that Michael is the director of and the School of Visual Arts and Design that Rudy is the director of. But the humanities portion is also vibrant and important and That includes our Department of English, our Department of History, the Department of Modern Languages and Literature, uh, Department of Philosophy, and the Department of Writing and Rhetoric. And all of these units, uh, I just shared with you our annual review so you could see some of the events that we do. In addition to the performing arts and the visual arts gallery shows, we invite the uh, public onto the campus for over 500 different events. And that includes these departments that I just mentioned, having guest speakers, we are partners with a couple of the organizations that uh, uh, you, you were uh, referencing in the, in the Manello Museum Gathering. But uh, for example, for the last three years, UCF is, well, we've been in partnership with the Shakespeare Theater since its inception. Mm. But uh, we've sponsored their first uh, sh- uh, show, which is uh, geared towards our Hispanic community. Mm. So first year was West Side Story. Last year was Don, uh, Man of La Mancha, the Don mm. Quixote. And then this year it's In the Heights, the Lin-Manuel Miranda um, piece. Which is opening this weekend, right? Yeah. Yeah. It is. So um, uh, in addition, we have a longstanding partnership with the Zora Festival that that happens at the end of January, (laughs) beginning of February. This year we're very excited because it uh, it's the uh, biannual conference, the uh, uh, Collegium on uh, African American Research has decided to come to the Zora Festival to conduct their conference. And it's all on the second nadir, which is the that second backlash that happened from 1877 through the early part of the 20th century. Uh, it seemed to happen like the first nadir uh, backlash when um, African Americans were getting access to education and uh, other access, and and there were, there was a, a pushback. And so this research conference helps to highlight some of these things that again go unreported or unknown. And that's our Department of History. It's our, our department uh, within even modern languages and literature, uh, other folks all coming together. So the arts and humanities is sort of this rich tapestry that comes together around subjects. And that's really one of the beautiful things about working at a university like Central Florida UCF is just uh, you can find someone who knows a little bit about everything there is to know in the world. Mm. And if you can get those people together, 
what comes out is is really wonderful. That's really incredible. Mm-hmm. I just, Mary, I just spent the afternoon yesterday um, with Pasha Baker in Goldsboro, which is a historic black community in Sanford. And Eatonville was one of the first um, towns incorporated in the state of Florida mm-hmm. as a as a black community, African American community, and then. Um, uh, Goldsboro was the second. Yeah, I was going to say it was the first. It w- yeah, it was it was Goldsboro the first. No, yeah, Eatonville was the first, yeah. and Goldsboro was the second. And they mm-hmm. were talking. Posh was saying how much UCF had been involved in the storytelling and the yes. archiving, the museum that they were building. And so uh, I just heard that yesterday in talking to her. It's a wonderful history. There's a lot of great artifacts that have been produced over the partnerships for mm-hmm. for this year, and it's a partnership with the Preservation for Eatonville. And Wina Theory is uh, the uh, direct executive director of that mm-hmm. group. And then we work in partnership uh, with the College of Arts and Humanities. Tony Major, a uh, professor at UCF, had been a longtime uh, director of Africana Studies. Fawn Gordon is the new director of Africana Studies. And Lyman Brody, our executive assistant associate dean, is uh, uh, working together with the Zora Festival and the Preservation for Eatonville to really try to get these um, products uh, research products, educational products, get them out there to have greater impact and access. So it's really, really quite a, um, a partnership we're very proud of. And why is it called humanities? I mean, is that just the all-encompassing of the study of humans? or? Well, I, it goes back to the very beginning of, of, of education when people uh, grouped the uh, seven uh, liberal arts together. And they were the arts that you must learn. And, and they, they evolved over time as science. Because when this education was occurring and we were grouping things as liberal arts, there wasn't necessarily a, a division as science. You know, science had to further evolve uh, as a, as a uh, concept and then, of course, as a discipline. So as uh, the universities have grown and the subject matter that they've taken on have extended greater and greater disciplines, the uh, disciplines of the original uh, liberal arts studies areas became the humanities. And it really is the study of how people are culture and how people relate with each other. And it has to do with communication and learning from the past to make sure that we have a thorough knowledge of what got us here to try to prevent, you know, repeating the same Mm. mistakes, but also learning how to interrelate with each other, to be sensitive to each other. The empathy is housed in the humanities. And in many of our disciplines in the arts, the creativity and innovation is housed in there. And I, 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 last week I was down in Curacao on a, uh, uh, a trip for the university uh, to meet with some government officials. And to a person, I met with seven ministers, including the prime minister of Curacao. Mm. They were all musicians or visual artists. Wow. That says not, a lot. Yeah, not yeah. for their main job. Their main job was what their ministry was in, whether it was economics, they were economists, or, you know, if it was... Uh, hospitality or management they did they had degrees in that area and that's where their occupation was but to a person they said well i play trumpet or i play piano or i sing Mm. and or i paint and it was it was really wonderful because it's a bonding thing so when you introduce people as you know the arts and humanities one of the very first things these ministers said is that's that's the common denominator Mm. yes and as artists we are reflecting what it is to be human or how humans see the world so it makes sense. Yeah. yeah. I've always wanted to ask that question. I'm glad I got to do it on the radio in front of in all of you. <laughs> I've, I've, you've always heard arts and humanities kind of clumped together, and I didn't really know what humanities meant mm-hmm. other than there was English and there was, you know, all these different classes. But that's interesting. Well, it's, it's how you are to be human mm-hmm. and what it means to be human and what are the things we can do when we interrelate with each other. It's, mm-hmm. it's critical to our evolution. And yeah. how we teach each other through what we create. 
Yes. Whether it's our music or our drawings or our paintings. And how we learn, like you said, how we learn from each other as well and how we teach each other through these different things. I can't remember who the quote is, but, or who the quote's, quote's from, but it's like, I can learn more about human nature and the way humans relate by watching an hour of a play mm-hmm. as opposed to reading hundreds and thousands of books, you know? Oh, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, there's just so much rich um, information in a lot of the pro- products that our scholars create, both books but also artworks, mm-hmm. compositions, plays, uh, poetry. It's really, uh, it's a wonderful, um, it's nice work if you can get it. It's a wonderful place to live and, 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 and play. You know? Well, you mentioned the word empathy, which is so important when it comes to the arts, because it does allow you, not that literary arts is important, but when you're watching a play or fe- it helps you to feel, it helps you to put your place, put yourself in the shoes of the person that you're watching. Mm-hmm. You can't really tune that out. You know, in a book, you and can close the book, you can tune it out, you can skip to the next chapter, but when you're watching something, you're faced with it, right? Yes. Uh- there are different arts that speak to different people and their personality types. And uh, for some, it's dance. And for some, it's theater. And it wasn't until I was married to Jason, my husband is an artist, that I would see people cry at his work. I've wow. said this to you more than once. Yeah. And I'd be, I never, I never had tears over art until I started to understand art a little more, being married to someone who draws. And there are times I'll look at his work and I'll laugh or I will cry because I, I get it, and knowing what's coming out of him and what he's putting into it, I, I've grown so much as, as an artist by, um, by learning from people who appreciate art. Mm, Jason is an incredible graphite. Like, mm-hmm. you look at his work, and it is. I, I've been moved by his work just looking at it because there's something he can do in capturing emotion. Mm-hmm. He's really good at capturing mm-hmm. emotion of people. And you can just look at that piece of paper with his strokes of pencil and know exactly what he was feeling as he was mm-hmm. as he was creating that. Mm-hmm. It really is beautiful. And this is a man, I'll just tell you briefly because we're not here about this, but in fifth grade, they kept keeping him back because he didn't read or write. He's mm. dyslexic and dysgraphic, but he can draw anything. And that's how he makes his living. And he's brilliant. He's one of those minds that will hear something and never forget it. So I can say, Jason, when was Art Linklender born? And he'll give me his whole history. Mm. Just, I'm like, okay, thanks. Uh, it's always good we can talk about Jason. I know. Can Hi, you, honey. Can you, believe, <laughs> can you believe we're already out of time, though, for our first uh-huh. segment? So we come back, we're going to start talking to Michael and to Rudy about the School of Arts and Design, as well as the School of Performing Arts. Listeners, we'll be right back on Magic 107.7 FM from the heart. Welcome back to From the Heart. I'm Mary Thompson Hunt, here with my astute, sagacious, and erudite co-host, <laughs> Joshua Vickery. I'm so glad you're here today, and you're back. Yeah, now I have to go look those words up, Mary, because I, I, I hope they're complimentary. <laughs> <laughs> of course they are. And I'm very proud that we have three, three guests that are making me proud of the arts, that there are mm. people that are passionate about it, that are going out and teaching it, and bringing forth future leaders. Mm -hmm. These leaders are from the College of Arts and Humanities. We have Professor Jeff Moore, uh, a professor of music. Uh, Welcome. We have Professor Rudy McDaniel, Director of School of Visual Arts and Design, and Professor Michael Weinstein, Director of School of Theater Arts. So thank you for being here. Did I get all that correct? Almost. Performing arts. Performing arts. Theater is a part of performing arts, so you were 
Right. You're in oh. music. There we go. Almost there. There you go. All right. I couldn't even read my own handwriting. I was writing so fast. <laughs> but um, we're. it's an honor to have you through here. So I think that we're going to continue on. We want to talk a little bit about our School of Visual Arts and Design. Rudy, can you tell us a little bit about the department that you are so well informed and run? <laughs> sure. Well, first, thank you for having me. It's, uh, it's great to be here and be talking to you both. Uh, we're a fairly diverse school, so we actually have the fine arts and what we call emerging media. So the fine arts are architecture, art history, photography, and studio art, which is painting and drawing and um, sculpture, ceramics. And then we also have emerging media, which is animation and graphic design and digital illustration. So we have a lot of more traditional forms where you're just, you know, at an easel creating art, um, sort of uh, using time-tested ways of doing that. And then a lot of... Um, um, digital art as well, where students are learning how to animate or creating 3D models that might be used in video games or online websites or those sorts of things. Mm. So it's a, a pretty exciting place to be. There are rapid changes, I think, on the digital side, and then we can sort of take the historical, traditional um, approach from the, the fine arts and studio arts as well. Do you see people, more people starting to go into the emerging media and the digital and technology side of the arts than some of the more traditional forms? Uh, we've seen a lot of growth in the digital arts, for sure. Um, we have the character animation track, which has been very popular. That's sort of small groups, teams working together to produce short animated features. And so that's been very popular with students. Uh -huh. But the fine arts are pretty healthy, too. I think a lot of students are drawn to the diversity of media that they can create art in, and that is appealing. Mm -hmm. What seems to be popular these days? In, in terms of the fine arts? In the, yes. Uh, painting is very popular. We have a lot of painters. Oils, um, acrylics? Yeah, both. Both. Mm -hmm. Both. And, um, you know, mixed media is something that's become popular, too. Mm -hmm. Students that don't want to be confined to just a particular type mm -hmm. of creation, mm -hmm. and they want to incorporate photography into 3D printed models and, mm. you know, sort of pulling different types together in order to create something new. This is an interesting question, and maybe, maybe Mary, you can help me form it better, but, like, do you find in the, the digital media side, the animation side, that people are more career-driven with their... Um, with with their uh, with their classes and or, you know somebody who's taking painting or that's a lot of um, natural talent I guess you would say you know they're learning they're be making their craft better but Jason doesn't have a degree in drawing you know so do you find that people are really more career focused and career driven in some of the technology and digital side because they're learning the craft so that you mean they might want to go and work for a film company yeah, or commercial or, work right and the other may be more that they're just loving their hobby and getting a degree in it that makes does that make sense i think it's a good question i think a lot of artists go into careers that they might not necessarily expect to because mm. they have this really holistic way of thinking about the world and solving problems and they have this desire to express express themselves through creating beautiful things and that doesn't always manifest in just being a painter for example it might manifest in being the minister of economics but uh, you yeah. know the painting sort of drives their approach to seeing patterns in the world uh -huh. so i think the, the fine artists would resist that that um idea that the digital artists are more focused on careers and maybe the digital artists would as well because i think ultimately a lot of students want to be able to pay their bills and right. you know <laughs> and also in finding patterns in the world certainly our patterns now come through work with computers yeah. absolutely absolutely yeah well so when you talk about um it, the cause college of arts and, and well we're, we're the perform, performing arts as well but do you have like people who are taking classes as like electives who are in other degrees but love to paint or love to draw or want to learn more about animation do you have a lot of students that are doing that 
Sure, absolutely. In, in fact, the uh, Jeff had mentioned the Nicholson School, our digital media program has moved into the School of Communications recently, uh, but all of those digital media students still take Drawing 1 and Drawing 2 and Design 2D and Design 3D. And so we get some that are built into the curricula like that, but other times it's just, you know, a biology student wants to come and take a drawing course. Mm-hmm. Or, are there some classes that non-majors cannot take? I would ask that actually of all three of you. I know sometimes because you have to take special care of your students that are majoring in it, there's not room for the science major, but is there room? They're they're limited access programs. So like music, taking private lessons, very expensive course. Uh, Drawing uh, some of the more advanced, smaller classes, those wouldn't be open to the general student population. Um, We're really making a difference between an avocation and a vocation. Mm -hmm. Our students are, even though it's not always commercially driven, they are learning the traditional art training to be able to be applied in some way and how they want want to work with their career. So they learn their art and they're hopefully applying it for a vocation. Whereas these computer students who want to learn a little bit or whatever are, are really it's an advocation. And we want them to to experience it too. And we're we're glad to have them because of the cross-pollinization between the, the, the disciplines. Mm-hmm. But we do have to limit it uh, access sure. uh, to some of the more expensive things. To focus on those that are majoring in it. Yes. I understand. Yeah. I wonder, because you know, I'm, I'm, I'll be 40 in a couple of months, so art has changed drastically even since when I was in college and, and getting a degree in music. And when we took art appreciation classes, uh, you know, just general as you were getting started, it was all about dance and music and theater. There was no mention of technology or design or anything in art appreciation. So have art appreciation classes changed? Is it now more holistic when people are coming in and just want a general uh, appreciation of the arts? Is it is it all inclusive now? I think what's exciting is access and distribution to art. So if you think about pre-internet and post-internet, you know, now you can go online, type in the name of a famous painting and see it. Rembrandt, there he is. <laughs> yeah, it's not the right. same as seeing it like in a museum because yeah. of the physical presence of being there and being surrounded mm-hmm. and seeing it with other art. But in my mind, for a, a course like Art Appreciation, that would be the main thing is just being able to distribute and access information so easily. Interesting. And, you know, videos and there's sure. just all this great source content out there that you can't even keep up with it unless that's another full-time job just trying to stay on top of what's out there. What are new trends these days that uh, students are coming in wanting to learn more about that you didn't see five or 10 years ago? 3D printing is one. A lot of Mm -hmm. of interest in sort of open source hardware, you know, instead of just downloading software, downloading hardware schematics and being able to print out really customized types of parts that you can create really intricate types of um, physical devices with. That's one. I can give you an example of that that's really quite interesting. The College of Engineering, one of our doctoral students, uh, Alberto, uh, I'm blanking on Monero. Monero, thank Mm -hmm. you, uh, came up with this idea, and we have now invested in it as College of Arts and Humanities, uh, along with College of Engineering, Limitless. And I don't know if you've seen this program, Mm -hmm. but children who are born and need prosthetics. Oh, I've heard about this. Alberto created this program so that he could design in 3D printers, which are practically for nothing, mm-hmm. and he could be ah. able to br- build prosthetics. Well, they were very primitive in their uh, actions. So he has redesigned and got more and more facility with them, still printed from 3D printers, still done at a very uh, low cost. And in fact, they're given to the children, but uh, the sponsors pay for everything else. He brings College of Arts and Humanities faculty in to help market. And when you go to the children, they, they want to pick the color. They want to pick mm-hmm. shapes. Mm-hmm. Oh. They're all about individualizing their prosthetic. Wow. And then, because he wanted to have more um, uh, more function, 
it requires better muscle control. So he got with our video game professors in, uh-huh. in SFAD, and they designed a video game that the students could play with muscle pads on so they could strengthen the muscles yep. so that by, ti- by the time the prosthetic was created and put on them, they already had the muscle control wow. necessary to manipulate the fingers and mm. do the things that were necessary. It was a fa- fantastic example of a bunch of disciplines converging on a yes. problem, solving it, and having serious gaming as a part of the solution. To make lives better. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, oh, that's a great convergence have, have, story. Have, they, have you guys told that story here locally? Like have the news or the newspaper picked that up and told that? The, that, that has, it has appeared uh, on the news and it was just, but it's a one night. If you, yeah, did, yeah. If you if missed it, you never it, you see it. You missed it. Yeah. But that, uh, the annual review book that I just gave you about that, that uh, in Alberto's in there. There's we'll, a shameless we'll plug for that, Jeff. Yes, yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, what about theater? What, what are new trends in theater that weren't around when you were studying it. You know, a lot of the basic foundational training is the same, but there's such a big explosion of opportunities for artists to be uh, internet, you know, the internet. I mean, when I was coming up, you had the opportunity of stage, screen, or TV. Now artists can create their own content, and that's changed the landscape for acting, uh, for actors and self-promotion. Mm-hmm. And then in the, in the scenic design area, of course, the whole advent of technology uh, in scenography and lighting, uh, uh, the whole advent of themed entertainment as a, a viable um, a viable discipline. Meaning um, what? Themed well, um, you know, design, theater design as a, as a discipline was basically designing for uh, theater productions or creative, uh, uh, the, the creative design for film shoots and things like that. But now th- with the explosion, especially in the city of uh, themed entertainment options, themed restaurants, themed hotels, themed parks, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, themed every, everything mm-hmm. is, is sort of themed shopping experiences. Um, designers are needed for that discipline. And what has happened, you know, a lot of it just naturally was the theater designers sort of, and the architects, I guess, or interior designers gravitated towards creating those specific themed entertainment designs. And now it's becoming a discipline unto itself so that while there's a lot of cross-pollination between theater design and themed entertainment design and all the foundations are the same, uh, the storytelling, of course, is very different. So there are programs like one that we're developing in which uh, designers are trained specifically to create the stories for the themed entertainment experiences, whether it's the restaurant or the theme park or whatever. That's that's a new industry that we're hoping to sort of be on the leading edge of. Um, there's also uh, the advent of the use of projections in design. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, lighting, of course, has evolved. You know, now lights, you know, we used to have one light for one look. <laughs> yeah. Now you have one light for 500 looks yes. and it's 500 times the cost. And every um, semester it probably changes, right? I mean, there's well, new it, technology it evolves coming fast. Out. Yeah. Um, it evolves very fast. And the technology, you know, there, there's, for example, these, there are these magic lights that are out that, you know, they move. So instead of having to focus 10 lights in 10 different places, one light can do the work of 10 lights. Yes. Mm. Uh, but projections are probably the biggest Trend. And it's amazing. They can look so real, even at CFC Arts when I think it was Titanic the first mm-hmm. time I saw one and then certain ones after that. It's amazing that you can just put, just shine the scene there and it's gorgeous. Yeah. I, I, mean, I want to do that to my house. It's, it's uh, <laughs> I mean, the stuff they're doing, there's a show on Broadway called Mean Girls, and um, which is uh, done with a lot of projections. It It's almost taking it to a new level of what is possible. It's almost like a character in the show. If, you're, if a character is walking down the hall, the hallway is moving and 
you know, I mean, it's 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 almost like a vision. It's like a movie experience, but it's still very very theatrical. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Spider Man, the biggest the biggest the most expensive Broadway musical yeah. ever. And the, the most yeah. biggest loss of any yeah. <laughs> musical ever, but it was heavily. They did amazing yeah. work with uh, projections. It was it was almost like uh, you know a, a sort of a movie on stage with live interaction with live artists and you know the way that that the stories become a lot more flexible in the way you can tell them through this digital you know interactive um, projection. But it's it's very very um what's the word uh very intricate in terms of knowledge that you need and the, it's a really a software hardware Game type changer. of you know n- knowledge yeah. that you have to have that that we have to train for that we didn't have to train for before so there's a whole new sort of world in theater design training that goes well beyond just pen and ink that's amazing and yeah. if i would i would just add briefly in music the uh, ability to distribute your product you make your recordings you can distribute them almost uh, uh, by yourself in, t- in terms of creating the product, recording it. Digital distribution has changed the landscape in music, and, and we're training our students, even in classical degrees, performance degrees, to create the content and distribute it digitally. Wow. That's incredible. And we and in the School of uh, Performing Arts, Michael, at UCF, you can get degrees in dance and theater well, um, and we have, instruments. We have, uh, in, we, in our music program, we have a BA in music, a BM in music, an MA in music. And a BME, which is Bachelor of Music Education. And cool. Then in theater, we have a BA in theater, a BFA in acting, a BFA in design, a BFA in stage management. We have minors in arts administration, minor in dance, and then we have an MFA in acting, an MFA in theater for young audiences. Wow, you can we get are like all everything. out of letters and all out of time for this segment. Awesome. But We're we will hear more. be right back on Magic 107.7 FM from the heart. Welcome back to From the Heart on Magic 107.7 FM. We hope you are having a fantastic Sunday evening. And whether you're getting ready for your long Monday ahead, driving home, or just having a chill night, we hope that you love listening about all the great things happening here in our arts community. And today we are talking to Rudy and to Jeff and to Michael, three great leaders at the UCF College of Arts and Humanities. And we've already learned so much. I wish we had another couple of hours because there's so much to talk about. But let's talk about UCF in the community, right? Like, so we know that UCF has this campus, sometimes way far away from us, (laughs) uh, but you're out all over the community in a variety of ways. So talk to us about some of your your partnerships that you're really proud about. Well, at UCF, we are America's partnership university. That's trademarked. Mm, Nice. (laughs) But... It's not just that we're America's partnership university. We want to be the partnership uh, university for America. So we believe uh, strongly that UCF isn't just in the community. It's of the community. Mm. And these partnerships give us a chance to sort of walk that talk. So we've had longstanding partnerships with lots of uh, different groups um, across spectrums, but uh, the disciplines. But specifically in the arts, we have a partnership, as I mentioned earlier, about the Orlando Shakespeare Theater the Orlando Repertory Theater we have a partnership with, the Orlando Philharmonic Orchestra we're in partnership with, the Atlantic Center for the Arts Mm. we have a partnership with. 
Um, and uh, we, our, our partnerships are a chance for our students to experience high impact uh, activities as part of their degree programs, be it uh, somewhat of an internship or just being able to um, participate in the activities. There needs to be a student impact. So part of our partnership sort of rule is how, will, how are the students affected with this partnership? Mm. How, what is the impact? And then obviously, as you mentioned, it's the community, how we believe in access and positively impacting lives and livelihoods. And partnerships are a way for UCF to sort of extend our, our, our grip or our, 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 our fingers to be able to touch as many of those people as possible. So partnering with fantastic groups uh, and even, even informally like uh, CFC Arts mm-hmm. and other groups that we believe in their mission and what they're doing, uh, UCF will partner and faculty will partner with them. So. Yeah, and I know that you guys do that in a variety of ways throughout the year, but there's one week where you just come, you partner with the Dr. Phillips Center, UCF celebrates the arts, and it is a power-packed week where anybody can come and experience all the things that the school is doing. So, Michael, tell us a little bit about that. What will people see? When is it? It's uh, April, April 4th to the 15th. It's a celebration of all the things that we do, but it's not necessarily li- limited to the arts. We we try to look at it as a showcase for everything that's going on at UCF with a focus on the arts. Awesome. We partner with uh, the uh, School of Visual Art and Design. Um, we have presence. We do the music program, uh, does several concerts, of different kind of concerts, usually a one big jazz concert, an orchestra concert. This year we're going to be doing the musical Titanic and uh, the theater program and the music program are partnering together uh, Chung Park will conduct the orchestra, about a 70-piece orchestra, to play that very, very thick, rich score um, in a big production of uh, the Titanic musical. Um, we do uh, events that bring students from high schools from all around the, the region to come in and experience playing on the Dr. Phillips stage several times during the festival. We do new works. We do uh, cutting-edge experimental stuff. We are partnering with a big read this year. And the Big Read uh, author will come in and do um, her uh, community talk at the Dr. Phillips Center during the celebration. We're also very excited that the Young Composers Challenge, which has been in the fall in the past, Mm. will be moving to be part of the celebration indefinitely. Uh, They'll close the celebration on the final Sunday. Um, so we're looking forward to that event being coming part of uh, our, you know, celebration of the arts. That's fantastic. That's another great community partnership it is. Uh, with the, with the composers form. So I know that, and a lot of these things are free, right? Uh, Most of the concerts. The, so, um, because of the financial burden of putting this on, sure. um, tickets are, there are a free events and mm-hmm. they're the basic Ticket price is $5 with uh, higher ticket prices for certain events available. But every ticket, every event is available at, at Mac, you know, $5 will get you into anything. Sure, completely. Af- yeah, completely yeah. affordable. I love that. Can't and you can't even all- go to a movie for that. I yes. know. Well, maybe we should make it 10 then. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, keep it five, Michael. Um, Tell us about some other things that are happening on the campus, though. Well, we're for, in the music program, uh, we do a lot of interaction with community schools. Um, I think last year we, 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 our music professors did workshops, master classes, clinics in over 150 schools in the Florida region. Wow! Um, they're out. Some, you know, Chung Park, our orchestra director, he's out. Does 10 schools a week. Uh, this, the professors go in and do, you know, clinics with with students and identify talented students, give them the opportunity to interact with professionals. It's a wonderful thing that we do. Uh, 
you know, getting the community involved. We're very closely related with a lot of the um, community um, high school and junior high school music programs because they're run by our grads. Oh, that's mm. wonderful. <laughs> that's cool. Um, Name I, a couple of grads you're really proud of. Well, Jeff, I'd have to defer to Jeff because I've only been here a year. Okay. Oh, well, I mean, we have lots of uh, grads we're really proud of. You know, there's in the music schools in Central Florida, um, practically all of them have a graduate from, from UCF teaching music. So we're very proud of that. And if we start making a list, we would leave people out. I don't want to put you on the spot. That's that. the way you said that made but, me think. No, we, a number of our graduates go on to graduate schools and some of the top programs. And now we have several who have graduated or become music professors themselves, as well as performers. One uh, for pride, uh, the drummer for the group Shinedown is a guy named Barry Kirch. And Barry was oh. a freshman my first year teaching percussion. And he graduated with a BA in percussion and then went on to play in the group Shinedown. Yeah, that's wow. and he, he came to my office, knocked on the door. I didn't know he was coming and he's in Shinedown. When I, the kid left, he was, you know, 20, 21 years old, short hair. He, he has these dreadlocks down to his, you know, his past his shoulders and a nose bob and chain. And I looked at him and he goes, Mr. Moore. And I was like, huh, who? <laughs> Barry? And he goes, yeah. And I go, oh my gosh. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, but you know anyway. how you can tell the drummer's at the door, right? Uh, it speeds up. There the you knocking. go. The knocking speeds up. <laughs> <laughs> You're so funny, Barry. <laughs> I would like you, to... have, you have people who are composed uh, for shows and well, I want to brag on two. I want to brag on a couple people. Um, Hamilton, yeah. heard of that, right? Yeah, of course. Um, that's coming through town with two of our grads. Nice. Oh, Abby Jaros and Desmond Newson are both in the cast of the first national tour of Hamilton. Wow. Uh, you, we men- have you mentioned Spider-Man, and in Spider-Man, the one of the, the lead in yeah, Spider-Man was a, was a grad. UCF grad. Nice. Uh, we have Andrew Carnero, who is a stage manager for the Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone show on Broadway. He's Man. the production stage manager. Um, Alex Bornstein is a composer based in L.A. He's writing music for... Of the first VR TV series, uh, Holly Kahn, who's local, yeah, um, runs Patrick the Snap Gallery. Mm-hmm. Gallery. So we have students, you know, a lot of students at Disney, over 80 students at Disney uh, working now or in the past. Uh, so our graduates do pretty well. Um, we also have on campus, we have about 150 music performances, and we do six theater shows uh, during the year. And a lot of... Uh, Community members come and support those, but we have about three or four concerts a week uh, on wow. campus. So, where can the listeners go to online to find out what is on the menu for concerts and they plays? They should Google UCF Theater or UCF Music, and it'll take them right to the Fantastic. page they need to be on, or call eight two three fifteen hundred. Okay, which what, is our ticket office. What do we do without Google? It just gets I just get us know. everywhere. I don't, I don't know. know how did we survive, <laughs> right? Rudy, I want to just throw it to you for a couple quick things. Can you tell us about? Um, I know you want to mention about the graduate program, so make sure you put a plug in for that. But also tell us where we, where can we see, or can we see um, public art by UCF out in the community? Sure. Well, first of all, we have a great public art collection on the campus itself, and it's just been integrated into the UCF app, so you can download the UCF app on you know, your iPhone or Android and walk around campus and see public art throughout campus. Seriously, Ooh, like anyone cool. can download? Absolutely, yep. And don't have to sort of take UCF you on a tour to? Mm-hmm. Well, it's not it's not uh, a tour guide quite yet, but you can at least pull it up and, and as you go. which building you have to go to. Exactly. Nice. And we also have an art gallery on campus, which is free and open to the public and open every day from 10 to 5 Do during f- the week. Do you feature work of students or of local or international? All national? of the above. Okay. So right now we have a faculty show in place, and that goes through uh, September 24th. September 24th, yeah. and that's all of our faculty in the School of Visual Arts and Design. 
We have a BFA show twice a year. We have an MFA show, and um, we have some international shows too, where we bring in artists. Very uh, cool. To exhibit. And so, do you have any of your work up? I don't have any work up, no, not okay. in the show. Okay. I think, too, you guys have something at the soccer stadium, maybe? We, we do. We have a really cool program that's called Ad Lab, which uh, one of our professors, Rob Reedy, runs with a colleague in engineering. And it's a collaboration between art and engineering, where our visual arts and design students will work with engineers. And they create sort of interactive exhibits or solar-powered exhibits. And so there's one right now in Orlando City. The students work together, they sort of pitch to the real client, and then the client will select one of the designs and it actually gets created. So, oh, very oh. cool. Yeah. So That's did, awesome. I know. Tell us about the graduate programs that you're proud of. Right. So we have two really neat graduate programs. One is brand new. It's in its second year, and that's an MFA degree in emerging media, which is animation and visual effects. So we're really excited about that one and have a really strong cohort of students coming in. And the other is our um, program in studio art and the computer, which is a fine arts program, um, photography or painting or drawing. And I'm uh, really excited about that as well. If you were to look at a graduate degree in either one of those, is there a prerequisite that you must take as a, as a, as a, um, you know, like as a bachelor's degree or can anybody go into those fields? Anyone can apply. There is a portfolio requirement that's part of the admission. So uh, the portfolio is evaluated, but we have students who come from all sorts of bachelor's degrees into those programs. So it's certainly helpful, particularly for the animation, if you have some background and sort of some of those uh, digital art skills. But, you know, it really just depends on the students. And a lot of students will go and do a formal program and then you know, just as part of their life or become self-taught, they may, you know, teach themselves some of the other skills. So it really just depends on the student. What advice would you give Rudy, maybe that high school student that's considering a, a degree or a career in the arts, or maybe somebody who's already in a career and has always wanted to take that leap and go back to school? What advice would you give listeners right now who are thinking about that? I think just to be brave. You know, I came into the arts from a non-traditional route. I was very much a computer person growing up, mm. and I was very—I was more sciencey than artsy, I think. And one of the things that was most um, enlightening to me coming into that type of environment was just the amount of themselves that these artists put into their work, and mm. sort of the emotional connection and how they're creating work that's meaningful to them. So I would say to students thinking about it, be brave and be curious and. And yeah. trust and trust the process. You all, I, yeah. just listening to the three of you, I can't imagine being in any of your class that you wouldn't reach out and help them through the little psychological issues they might have to mm -hmm. like go, all right, now you're here, you want to be, here's how we're going to get you through. Absolutely. And be tough, you know, because it's a tough world mm -hmm. and, you know, people aren't going to bend over for you all the time. You yeah. have to really make an effort to reach get out, out there. And I went back to school in my late 40s to get a master's degree and I was nervous as anything, but mm -hmm. it was the best thing I ever did. That was yeah. one of the most fun shows we ever had. Mary got her degree in <laughs> master's in leadership and we brought her professors on and did a, <laughs> and did a whole radio show nice. around leadership, the art of leadership, mm -hmm. but they were all Mary's professors and we had well, some good stories you know, to tell. We talk so much about art and we interview leaders of arts organizations and leading artists. And I thought, well, we never talked about leadership itself. So that was kind of a fun way to flip it around, the art of leadership. I loved it. Michael, what would, what would you tell your students who maybe come and see you as the director of the School of Foreign Arts and say, I'm just, I'm, I'm having a hard time with this. I feel like I need to give up and go do something else. What advice do you give them? Well, there's two ways to answer that question. Um, one way, the first, my first impulse is if you feel like it, it's the wrong field for you, get out because ah, it's a tough field. It is a tough field. And if you don't yeah. have the, you know, the drive and the passion to stay mm -hmm. in it, no matter what, you're probably going to end up not being in it. 
But if it's somebody who's just having a crisis of confidence, mm. I would just advise them to just work through it because there's a lot of up and ups and downs in being an artist. And, uh, you know, it's all part of the experience of being an artist is the ups and the downs. Mm-hmm. And that makes you a better artist. You said just work, hang through in there. It. work through it. What, what if you if someone were to say to you, how do I work through it? What's your advice? Um, don't give up. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, confidence is earned. It doesn't just happen. So I think that you need to, you know, as I mean, I, I'm an, I've been in the business for 30 years and I, there's been some dark times. Yeah. And, you know, for me in the dark times, there was just no other options. This is just what I was going to do. And there was nothing that was going to stop me. So you just work through the dark times. You just look, you know, just sort of deal with whatever's going on, figure out a way out, mm-hmm. you know, know that there is a way out and um, just take it a day at a time. What can I do today to make it better? So that tomorrow I'll be a little closer to getting out of this rut. I love um, that our I love that our UCF leadership is telling our listeners and our aspiring artists out there to be brave and don't give up. Mm-hmm. What a good way One to end this time. conversation. <laughs> I wish we didn't have to because I want to keep talking to you guys. But in 20 seconds, Jeff, tell us what is the best way for people out there who want to come and be a student in the School of Arts and Humanities? How do they get involved? Well, if they're coming to one of those limited uh, access programs, as Rudy mentioned with the graduate programs, there might be a portfolio requirement. There's an audition for music and for theater. So I would go to the website and I would look. It's very clear on all of our websites what the requirements are and then when those auditions or when those interviews or whatnot happen. Contact the advisors that are on the website. That's what they're there for. They're there to help you guide you through the process. And then you come through and you do the audition and, and, and realize that because it's a limited access program, it is not an audition that determines whether you have the ability or you don't have the ability. There's a lot of factors other than that. It's how many other people had what kind of ability and how many slots were open that particular year. So I I don't want uh, students or or potential students to look at this audition or interview as a a winner-take-all proposition. Mm. It really is, let us gauge how you fit the program and then we'll give you our, our response. And then help you if if UCF isn't the right place, we can help find other places. But it is I the right that. place. And, the right and this has been the right show. <laughs> Will you three come too. back? There's so much more we want to hear from you. Listeners, thank you so much for being here. I'm Mary Thompson Hunt with Joshua Vickery. And thank you for joining us on Magic 107.7 FM from the heart.